Dan from Melbourne, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Meltdown podcast. This week I had a chat with JJ DeSiglu, a filmmaker from Fremantle who shot and directed a film here in Melbourne called Jugular. Check it out. Please introduce yourself and your film Jugular. Uh, so my name is JJ DeSiglu, I'm a 33-year-old uh, writer-director from Fremantle in WA. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made Jugular in Melbourne because I lived here from start of 2011 to halfway through 2013, uh, so we shot it all in the urban landscape of inner Melbourne. Um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm originally, uh, I mean, I've been a writer and a journalist and a cinephile my whole life, so um, I was always hoping to make a film, and I wrote the script, mm-hmm. we'll get into that a little bit later, about how that came about, but yeah, um, I originally wanted to make a micro-budget film, then I got kind of caught up in a production process, and then it kind of fell through, and I ended up doing what I originally planned to do, and just made it by myself. Oh, oh, I mean, that's one thing that I was going to ask after the Q&A session for your film was, um, did you initially intend to direct the whole thing and be involved in the I did. in the process? And that was kind of the thing that was becoming issue-wise. Like, I, I had the script. I really liked the script. Mm-hmm. I knew uh, camera-wise, cinematography-wise, what I wanted to do, and I wanted to make it very small with like a two- or three-man crew, and it eventually ended up being just one-man crew with myself doing everything. But, um, yeah, with... It helps in the budget. Yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> and actors being very uh, adaptable and flexible. Um, mm. But yeah, no, I'd originally planned to do that, and that in the production process, like they would, they'd bring in. Uh, can you sit down with this script person? Like, I mean, I had these meetings. Sometimes the the feedback would be, oh, you've you haven't set out the script properly. Mm. And I was like, well, that that's not really a note. You know, mm. It wasn't story wise. It was just. You didn't put uh, interior... The formatting oh, or whatever. Yeah. On, like, I know it's because I knew what it was going to be without having to write it, so... Mm. Yeah, does that answer? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, so, I know this film was made on a budget of around about five grand, mm-hmm. and that included purchasing the camera and the equipment. It did. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess, how did, you raise the, how did you raise that five grand first off, and, and what were the extra hurdles put in that? Uh, well, when I decided to do it by myself... Um, it's really inspired by guys like Edward Burns, uh, mm-hmm. Rodriguez, uh, Aronofsky when he made Pi. How much did Rodriguez made his um, El Mariachi for? Was it like three? Yeah. Three thousand? Yeah. Um, but I think he got the camera for free. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the yeah. two grand came from the camera. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you listen to Ed Burns, it's like he can get things in the can for nine grand, these small comedies he's making, but then they spend another hundred in post that you don't hear about. So, mm. But I mean, when I decided I was going to do it... Um, I just went back home and I, I kind of uh, begged or asked family and friends. It was, I had a couple of friends who were working in mining, um, so they had a little bit of money. Some family helped out and they all, yeah, and I, I had a little bit of my own money. Yep. So, yeah. yeah, you just, that, it becomes a skill almost, not being embarrassed asking, because <laughs> it is tough. Like, it's a hurdle, that it was a yeah. major hurdle for me. <laughs> well, um, well, I've been involved in a couple of crowdfunding campaigns. Campaigns myself, and I, I agree that that's that's a tough skill to have is being a bit shameless about asking for help with a project yeah. that you believe in. Was crowdfunding an option for you? Given this, uh, is, it was before kind of before I I yeah. knew about it. Mm. I'm starting to look at it a lot now, um, but yeah, back then I wasn't really aware. After I'd made it, I went to a couple of things and spoke to Kickstarter and that, and then. But yeah, at the it's time, like, God damn it, I could have totally chopped on board and done. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm impatient as well. Like I was like, no, I just want to do it because I had a lot of things in place. Like mm. I knew how I wanted it to be, where I was going to shoot it, and I had uh, Greg kind of 
uh, the, the main actor. The main actor, yeah. He was kind of involved already, so I just needed to go back and um, mm. say, it's all good to go. I just need this finite amount of money, and I'm going to make it work. I've worked out how I'm going to make it work. So, yeah. yeah. And um, now, most of the film was shot either outdoors, including here, just outside of Fed Square, a couple of scenes I recognised, yeah. and... Um, and at your own apartment, I believe, that yes. you were still living there at the time. Yes. Like, was that a factor when you were writing the script that, okay, I need to make this as cheap as possible, here's where the main set pieces will be? Yeah, or? and I took that advice from reading a lot about how other people have done it, and mm-hmm. watching, listening to audio commentaries and podcasts and stuff, and I'd done that over a period of years mm. of just learning. And yeah, the number one rule is write a script for things you have available to you. So, I mean, you have to fashion the story and the narrative and the tone of the mood you want around what's available to you, and I tried to do that. And I had our apartment had this hallway, which always was kind of eerie to me. It was kind of empty and a little bit dodgy. And, yeah, um, and it was. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the streets just out. We was on Ligon Street with those housing commission things. When I first moved there, it was much more uh, criminal. There was a lot of junkies and that walking around the back of it. It really got gentrified. They put in a new park and that at the back and then a lot of uh, immigrant families moved in it's this lovely place now where you can walk <laughs> in and you feel safe so so it sounds like if the, if you'd waited an extra year or two to yeah. move to Melbourne we wouldn't have jugular no it wouldn't have worked <laughs> it would have been that? a nice trip, uh, family saying North yeah. Melbourne's a nice place to live yeah families lovely come. like African and Muslim and families just living there and like kids running around and having a great time and it's you feel nice just going down there eating your lunch but before it was like you'd see just Dregs like guys always hoodies up walking around in a hurry sniffing yeah <laughs> doing drug deals and stuff so it was dodgy um, but originally I mean I had the idea to make an apartment film I really liked Polanski's apartment trilogy Repulsion The Tenant and Rosemary's Baby mm. had the idea of someone seeing things I had that pool out there and then one day I was waiting for a tram this junkie guy came up to me and asked me did mate think I look fucked up and then that whole scene really started me going with a what if because he asked me do you want to come meet some 16 year old girls down the train station I was like dude I'll, I'm going to go Don't meet pass. my girlfriend for dinner yeah. and he was like oh I think they're like an older dude so then I started extrapolating this character I already kind of had this urban, urban alienation tale mm-hmm. what if he, he went with them and then it spirals into him kind of like male sexuality where he's attracted to the girl but he also wants to protect the girl and he's is he mentally ill and what happens well, I guess spirals. I guess we should outrun uh, 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 a quick synopsis mm. of the movie yes. for the people who might have missed it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you do that. Well, this guy, Jack Aletti, moves to Melbourne. He takes an apartment very cheaply. He doesn't have much money. Mm-hmm. He says he's a writer. Um, he doesn't really write anything. Um, uh, he gets the apartment cheap because the guy who used to live in the apartment uh, killed himself in the shower. He cut his own throat. Mm-hmm. And, hence, uh, hence the name of the title yeah to a certain extent yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, like 25 people wouldn't take the apartment because they knew it turns out this guy was the main suspect in a serial murder case mm-hmm. uh, he killed himself before um, they could prove it was him but the cops thought it was him mm. that was kind of similar to the Claremont case in Perth where mm. there was a long period where the police said they knew it was this guy and they followed this guy but they never proved it was that guy but the murder stopped and then mm-hmm. later on they said oh no it's not that guy but Again, I extrapolated, what if this guy could kill him, also killed himself. Um, yeah, and uh, so uh, Jack starts to... He's got no friends there, really, apart from one guy who's not that great a friend. He's a bit of a dick, but he's trying to be his friend. And he just wanders around the streets, meets a girl, meets a junkie, um, meets a drug dealer, kind yep. of, And um, slowly the apartment kind of 
he kind of admires the guy in the apartment because he got women and he can't kind of thing. It's it's a strange twist. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I guess in that description of the movie, everything you said is the only concrete thing in the movie. There's a lot open-ended in terms of whether or not he's even a genuine writer or not, why he's come to Melbourne and, and all these other things. Um, I just wanted to state my admiration for how he managed to answer, leave a lot of questions unanswered but still have a cohesive plot yeah, <laughs> to a certain extent. No, no, really, I really tried to do that because I, I like the complexity of films that don't mm. spell everything out for you. It's like I just... Sometimes when I'm watching a movie and they give you this pop point, I'm like, Ugh, it would have been so much better if I didn't know. Like, yeah. Yeah, and I, that, I think that creates mood and tone. Like, why... His best, the person who knows him best keeps saying, what did you do? Like, why did you come over here so quickly? Where have you been? And yeah. he's like, you know, alluding to the fact that maybe he's done something before. He's a bit dodgy yeah, already, I yeah. I know you've, you've got a history of violence. or mm. And so we never know. He can't sleep. He's got insomnia. So why does he have insomnia? Why is he wandering around? Mm. Um, other things he's seeing really there. Uh... And there's a police officer who keeps coming to the house. Uh, really, is he really there? Is that because that gives you all the details of the murder? Yeah. No one else ever sees him. He's not wearing a police uniform. He asks him to see his badge. badge he yeah. goes, "You've seen too many movies, pal." So yeah, all those kind of things. Well, I mean, my just to give my two cents about that character, I thought he might have been a relative of one of the victims doing his own yeah. side investigation because again, he doesn't produce the badge. Yeah. And that was my interpretation of that character, but again, it's completely unanswered. He just, yeah. he's got his role, and it fits the plot, but it's not... No, and he kind of just barges in and barges out, so you're like, is that Jack's mind? Someone once said to me, and it's happened twice, that yeah. I think he was the killer, hmm. coming in and just seeing what's going on and keeping is a, there any the rest on? of the investigation. Yeah, so... Um, it could be an option, too. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and there was actually two other characters that were cut out of the film, two girls who lived on the floor who were kind of fighting for Jack's sexual attention he was just oblivious to it and um yeah but it just uh it was extraneous to the plot it was kind of fat that I trimmed away and it, the movie became much leaner and it just worked better yeah. So. oh yeah when you brought that up during the Q&A session that these extra two characters and I, I have to admit I was kind of glad that they weren't mm. because the movie was very very lean and very very smooth without these extra characters that would have added an extra plot that wasn't necessary yeah. uh, at least as far as it took me a while to work it out like because I'd come from Mm. writing novels I think if it was a novel that would have added to the mood and the strangeness to the like Mm -hmm. Jack I can do things for you trying to put a foot in the door and he's like get out of here and then the other girl just barging into his room all the time but um like I had a moment like an epiphany one day I was walking home in the city I'd just seen a friend who I'd shown a cut to and he was like just edit it and when I was coming home he was like strip it strip it strip it I was coming home and I'm just going to cut everything with these two, yeah. And I took them out and I was like, man, that was just, that's so much better. And he yeah. didn't even mention his character. It was just like... Well, I wouldn't have known. Yeah. I would have known that there were two characters on this side ground because he never mentions yeah. neighbours or, no. oh, this stupid bitch who keeps coming around yeah. or whatever. Well, the thing is, they only talked about each other, so if I got rid of one, the other had to go because they were battling uh, each other. Yeah. So. Fair enough. Yeah. Now, um, now, we keep on talking about the screening. It was a screening on the... Uh, on the 14 foot 1,000 pound bend. Yep. Um, now, I understand you were also screened at the Melbourne Underground Film Festival last year. Yeah, we were opening that last yeah. year. Melbourne and you won a bunch of awards for that, didn't you? Yeah, we won uh, Best Film, Best Director, Best Actor. So, yeah, it was really good. A <laughs> few, few really nice gongs there. Yeah, we were really happy, really surprised. I mean, we were really happy just to get opening night. Um, mm. After Richard saw it, I saw his film at Rev. Yeah. And I got to talking to him, and he said, um, 
enter it and then like six weeks later it was like do you want opening night headline yeah it was a little bit of a kerfuffle because Rob Zombie's film got in as well and they were like maybe that should be opening night we eventually got it mm-hmm. and then we yeah we won those awards which was fantastic yeah. that's surprising well, um, but are those the only two Melbourne screenings or are they kind of so far yes yeah, yeah. Um, we've had a Perth premiere mm-hmm. uh, and we Northern Territory Film Commission uh, let us show it up there and I did a workshop the next day about guerrilla filmmaking yeah which was fun but um, yeah it's, it is the only two we, we, I mean Video Archives has picked it up mm-hmm. and they're a distributor sure. yeah. um, we're kind of just organising these boutique screenings getting it into a cinema is a lot tougher than it sounds it's oh. like um, it's all about numbers they're like yeah. are you, how much money are you putting in advertising yeah, or paying for your own screenings, like yes. somewhere at the Astor Theatre or something. Yeah, we could kickstart stuff as well. Like we were mm. thinking about doing that. Um, yeah, we're not we're not sure. We're not sure whether to wait another, take it to Sydney, take it to Brisbane, take it to Adelaide, bring it back to Melbourne. When because uh, Greg, the main actor, he's in India and Nepal at the moment, so yeah. we bring it back and have another one when he's back in town. I think we're looking at going to Made in Melbourne as well. That yeah, was, I was going to bring that one up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it's a tough road. You just never know what to do. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that was kind of interesting when I kind of made that realization that you were talking about these two screenings, and I didn't hear anything in between. I'm like, if, as an outsider, somebody who's not in the industry, I always thought the difficult part was getting a film made. I never realized it was also difficult just to get people to watch the damn thing after. Yeah, it's just you got to put money into advertising. Like, if people don't know it's there, I mean, our social media uh, reach is getting better, yeah, and we're working on that as hard as we can, but. Um, yeah, I mean, when we did the Muff opening night in the screening, we got some really great publicity. We were in The Age, we were in The Herald. Um, uh, Crikey gave us a great story as well. We got some really good stuff. Um, mm. But then since then, it's like, it slows down. Every city you go to, you have to do it again. And we kind of left this one really, left it late, maybe, this time. Yeah, because Jimmy kind of goes from New York to Perth. He works out of oh, okay. archives yeah. in New York and here. But we quite happy with the turnout um, the other yeah night. it was a decent turnout as I said I, I caught I um, got a last minute invite just from monitoring Twitter for anything that was cool happening in the city as I do um, but yeah I was just kind of looking around the room going wow this is this is decent for somebody for something that hasn't been picked up on like timeout or something like that like yeah. there's still something there's still something that's clearly there it's um, funny, we, we never know, like, because we've been in the age, we're like, do we have to give them a new angle? You know? <laughs> and they ask you, that, what, what's the angle? Like, yeah. we already did it, give us something else. So, yeah. <laughs> I know, like, being a Melbourneite who, who looks at these things, I'd always say, time, suggest things like Time Out and um, Broadsheet, those kind of publications, yeah. they do an excellent job of supporting smaller local things. Yeah. Just something to think about for next time. No, definitely, and we, hopefully we'll come back. We're already talking about coming back to Melbourne, so once Greg gets back because he put in so much effort to make the movie yeah. oh, exactly um, now I guess the other thing I want to ask though is what what would need to change to be able to make it easier for films to get screenings like does, it, does there need to be more venues for that to happen is there a need for funding for that to happen oh uh, yeah funding would be good I suppose I mean mm. Melbourne's actually pretty good compared to Perth and places like that I mean you can actually watch old films still at the Astor and um, mm. Nova's great I mean in terms of an independent like showing art house films, it's, it's the best in Australia. And ACMI as well. Just yeah, and that, they're, they're oh doing man. the, um, the yeah, samurai the thing at the moment. And, yeah, I was going to go to that, but you have to buy. I'm only here till tomorrow, and mm. you've got to buy three tickets. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I always. I mean, when I lived here, I used to always go every Wednesday to the Cinematheque doubles and all that stuff, and it's awesome. Mm. Um, we're actually talking to Acme about getting into their program. Too. Yeah. Um, 
and also SBS2 as well getting on there. So um, funding would be good though because then you could um, run your own. Uh, you could pay the Asta for the cinema space yeah. or pay uh, Nova for a cinema space and run it for a week. Um, yeah. As opposed to the, to the spare rooms of pubs, like no dismissal yeah. to no, a thousand no. pound bend, no, but, but that's a, there's a world of difference in comfort and yeah, technology and between sound them. coming from underneath, which we had to go down and ask them to turn down. But that, that's the, the nature of the beast of doing <laughs> these guerrilla screenings is you're always battling the elements. <laughs> <laughs> had technical difficulties at the start yeah. <laughs> to oh, still, we think it overheated because yeah. we had it on pause for so long yeah. just so we could hit play to start it cracked just the at that one moment when it was about to start it turned off for five minutes like I kind of put out a tweet at the time the curse of independence yeah. <laughs> and it's true man it's yeah. true and as, yeah, it adds to stories later on, but at the time you're like going, oh my god. I've got a room full of people who are going to start wanting our blood. <laughs> and then turn the lights on for about three minutes, that was kind of fun. Oh, you were rescued, rescued by the MC. Um, what was the comedian's name? Um, uh, Xavier. Xavier, yeah. yeah. He's a great guy. And, yeah. um, and Jimmy both coming out and having a bit of a spiel. And, yeah. So, you know, so just <laughs> it, was a, it was a bit like watching the um, like the clowns come in during intermission. Like just, yeah. <laughs> we're just going to come out of here and play for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, now I guess are you, are you working on another project? Are you working on a book next, or another film? Um, we 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 want to make a comedy, mm-hmm. and we started shooting part of a comedy in Perth. Um, but we're kind of realizing micro budget films are tougher to shoot when you've got seven people in a scene as opposed to two people in a scene. Yeah, and I kind of had to learn that while I was doing it, like um, learning while doing. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, and it's, I mean I'm kind of self-taught filmmaker. Anyway, I never went to film school or anything, so. I'm learning as I'm going, and uh, I thought, you know, we could do it, and we did it, but it was just a, a real headache shooting, like, five people in a scene, where, like, people are having to wait around for two hours where we shoot two people talking, but they have to be in the background. Yeah. We're going again on, uh, like, no pay or some pay or food or coffee for pay, you know. Hugs, whatever, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's tough, you know, if you're paying the money, you can go just sit and wait, please. They don't care because if they're getting paid for the time, like, yeah. Dude, i got to go home. Like, um, so... Um, we don't know what we're going to do with that. We should, we've shot 15 minutes. Yeah. So is that another feature length? Yes. Yep. Um, but we don't know whether we're going to turn that 15 minutes into a web series or whether we're going to continue to try and make it into a feature mm-hmm. or whether we're going to go back to the drawing board and try to get some funding. Because we know if we had about... Between, if we had 30 grand, we could do it really well. If we had about 10 or 15, we could do it well. You um, could do a film, yeah. Yeah. So and well, we could do it how we want to do it, how we planned, rather than having to... You know, scheduling's been a massive issue, just scheduling people, mm. and uh, yeah, it's been a pain in the ass. But um, I've also got a couple of really smaller projects, much more like Jugular, that I've had in my head for a long time, and I've got outlines, and after having the headache of trying to get the comedy done... Um, Those look more attractive? Yeah, they do, and I, <laughs> when I was making the comedy, I was like, is this what I really want to do? Do I want to be a comedy? I mean, I like directors who are able to jump from genre to genre, but also like guys who stick to their, their genre so I don't I mean I like developing expertise as well yeah and I'm wondering maybe you know I think I like the one on one dialogue heavy mood type films um, but I don't know like especially in terms of actors but possibly this would possibly apply to directors as well if you can do comedy really well it's really easy to do things like drama and, and those kind of things because to do comedy you need to have timing yes and, it's, and it, timing's it's tough beyond yeah. that I'm learning immediately like editing comedy timing is so important like yeah. just I mean the actors 
You can edit them to be funny. <laughs> if they don't get it right, you can get the beats even better with the editing. You can remove the pauses and yeah, speed or, up or if needed. Them, or, yeah, it's, um, or cut to blank faces with reactions and it makes it so much funnier. The laugh track also might help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sound effects, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I got two really good ideas. I just need to, well, I, not really good ideas I really like. You've got a plot that you want to, you've got yeah. a plot that you need to flesh out. Yeah, and they're kind of similar to Jugular, but maybe with female leads rather than male. Just, um, I really like exploring like complexity of the human psyche. So, and like to go down maybe like Jugular is kind of uh, really about male repressed sexuality in a way, and, uh, trying to deal with uh, that constant urge of male sexuality, but also of a man who's maybe mentally ill dealing with that thing. And, and like also to, having other pressures as well. Let's yeah, face it. Yeah. yeah. And um, and I'd like to maybe do that with a female character. So yeah, yeah. That'd be interesting partner up with a female writer and, and see what she throws in as well? Maybe, uh, maybe no, I'd like... <laughs> <laughs> you got to go with it yourself. I'll, I'll write it, but I'd like to work with the actress um, yeah. heavily in the... Um, yeah. mm. uh, that would be cool to develop and really flesh out because I find, um, I don't know the female characters if they're that... They don't get as many well-rounded roles I find maybe in well, terms of dark areas as opposed to... You know, oh, uh, there's... Th- there's absolutely still need more of a need for the strong female protagonist I mean we haven't really there's a few shining examples like Ripley yeah. uh, Buffy yeah. um, oh god I'm drawing a blanket but it's on the top of my tongue but I guess that shows how hard it is that there are so few of them yeah. and I can only think of three off the top of my head no, and I like like um, have you seen that film Smashed um, no it's about like a female alcoholic she like I can't remember who directed but Aaron Paul was Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad yeah. he's in it as the boyfriend she like throws up she's a teacher and she throws up at work and she's now colleague and she lies that she's pregnant uh, so she has to maintain this lie of being pregnant it's a great actress um, I, don't know who I, I don't know why but I'm thinking of um, Cameron Diaz but that's something entirely different it's a bad teacher me? I don't know but uh, also the short term 12 is yeah. really cool uh, with uh, the girl from United States of Tara is it Alison Alison Brie? No. No, that's no, that's girl. somebody else. She's from Community. Yeah. Is she, yeah, she's from Mad Men as well. Is that her? No. But Alison Brie does a good does a good hero, um, strong character in Community, in that she's still a bit girly, but also when chips are down, turns super tough and rocks it. Yeah, and I really I like Peggy in Mad Men. She's <clears> like so such a complex character. Like you just you know, yeah, I just enjoy you know complex female characters that aren't just a. Uh, you know, there there was it's a uh, it's James Ponsolt. Uh, the actress is Mary Elizabeth. Oh yeah. Smashed Mary Elizabeth Winstead. She's gonna be really good great actress. Uh, yeah. Just films like that. And I just but I want to have that uh, Polanski jugular. Um, really like that. Unsettling Palmer. for the part. Yeah, yeah. the unsettling sexuality and uh, yeah, not answering what's happening, but you decide what's happening. Hmm. Yeah. And That'll be interesting from a female perspective because you do. I mean, when you think of those kind of unsettling characters, there I can't think of any that aren't men. Yeah, it's like um, so, it would be interesting to see that from the point of view of a woman in that situation. Yeah, I think as men, like sometimes we're like you know, women are sexual beings. They're, they have anger, mm-hmm. they have sex. They um, like you know sometimes women just want to have sex to have sex. So mm. they want to go and get drunk. Uh, and, but you never really see that. It's always a male thing. It's, well, it's, it's kind of like the old thing about the um, the test, the Bechdel test, as well. Like in a movie, they, it, it's a, a, an occasion of how sexist it is. Is whether or not two women talk to each other, and not about men. Yes. So yeah, okay, okay. I've always kind of liked that as being 
you know, it's not the be all and end all of any kind of of any kind of sexist or um, restrictive practice, mm. but it shows an indication of how few movies pass that, even this really basic no, yeah, it belief. Is. No, that's true, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Because most of the time, if two female characters talk, it's because one of them's got a problem about her, her man, <laughs> or and who's generally, generally the protagonist. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, how does this female relate to this man's world? Yeah, mm. yeah, and how can she? That's no, true. Yeah, like imagine, yeah, Taxi Driver was all about Civil Shepherd. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, different film. Oh, that would be a very cool film. Yeah, I heard good, good chatting. Did you have any final comments or anything that we've missed that you'd like to uh, talk about? No, um, just I mean, the actors were really good in the film, I, I, and then just in terms of commitment and um, you know, like I said, we shot for five. Um, some people worked for a reduced rate which yep. we negotiated beforehand, everyone got the same. Some people worked for nothing. Like, mm. um, and uh, especially Greg Packus, who is like, really good in the movie, he, um, he's the lead, plays Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just, you know, whenever I needed him, he was there. <laughs> and it was a good two and a half and months. His performance was outstanding. If you could, if you see him, just pass it on. Yeah. He was, um, I could feel him going mad yeah, in the yeah. movie. <laughs> it's great, and if Greg was sitting here right now, he's a... Like down to earth, kind of quiet, calm, so gentle. He's guys. not quietly psychotic. Okay. Yeah, and he looks. It's funny. I hadn't seen him for about six months yeah. uh, after the muff screening, and, and then he came to Perth when we did all the Perth. We we're a Monster Fest as well. He came yes. over for that. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I like Monster Fest. Yeah, um, and he um, he just seems smaller in real life. He's got a real presence yeah. on screen. I was like, have you lost weight? Is that maybe a kilo? Just, yeah, because I'd only been watching him on screen and editing. I was like. He really had a presence of largeness and just his eyes as well. Yes. Like he did good, crazy, lazy, yes. sleep-deprived eye. No, yeah, he did do that. Yeah, he's, and he was kind of trying to do that. He went a little bit method, like depriving himself of uh, good food and trying to sleep less. And he's kind of a real healthy person, but he was trying to not live that way for that, a good three months. That is something I would. Um, I was thinking actually, watching the film was how method is this compared to makeup in terms of his um, his appearance? Because he's the movie seems to indicate he sleeps. In, very little, if at all, yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Over a period of a couple of months. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, he had a little bit of, I think it's mascara, is it maybe? Yeah. Eyeshadow, but he was putting it there. And we used to run a red lip pencil just under his eyelid mm. on the bottom, and it does make you look a lot more. But he was definitely trying to live that way <laughs> and, um, you know, kind of walk around the streets with his hoodie on and his beanie on and just kind of live that way. Mm. Um, he does a great job, though. Yeah. It's, um, he put in so much work, man. Like he was—he never said no. Like, and we were—the way we shot was um, pretty much around people's schedules. So if all the three acts were available, we got three hours. Okay, we're going to go do this bit, and sometimes Good we'd time. have to take four days off. But Greg was always there, um, so committed to getting it done and getting it done. Well, even when we did pickups later on in January after we finished shooting in like November, yeah, picked up again, and then I edited for a good six months. Mm-hmm. Three or four different versions. Like the first version was about <laughs> it was like the Godfather two, <laughs> two and a half hours long. Yeah, and it's down. To, we got it down to like eighty five. So yeah, yeah, about that. It's a big cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mentioned before, like you did, you spent more time editing. Yes. Um, than you did shooting. I was editing at night time, and I'd kind of start at about eleven, make a big pot of coffee, and work through to morning. Yep. I did that for a good. Like, I'd do it for, like, 
six weeks and then stop and give myself a break and then start again in different edits. It starts sound, it's starting to sound like a bit shining like. Yeah. Well, it's funny, everyone, I've been interviewed a few times and they go, do you have insomnia? Yeah. And I do suffer, I do not sleep well, so that's kind of why it's in the film, because I know what it's like to not be able to sleep at night. Yeah. You know, it can be really frustrating. My, um, my cure so far from, my, I do get bouts of insomnia myself as well. Oh. My current cure is Toho Godzilla films. Oh. Like the original man in a suit waiting around distract, destroying Tokyo. I don't know why. It just puts, it just puts me out. Consistently. Um, well, we might leave it there then in that case. Um, cool. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks for having me. And um, just uh, watch your social media and Facebook uh, or anything. So I'm at JJ DeSegli on Twitter. Um, uh, we're also at Jugular the Movie for the film. Yep. And uh, Facebook is, uh, yeah, Jugular the Movie. So if you want to get on, like, there's trailers, a uh, couple of cuts, photos from the other night are going to be up soon. And we'd love to interact with people if you've already seen it. If you want to see it, tell us. We'll try to get it out there. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, man. That's it for this episode. If you have any feedback, suggestions for a future guest, or proof that the real purpose of Melbourne's Lane Waits isn't sinister, head to meltdown.com and click contact me. Have a good one.